0: I would say to my fellow customer educators watching this, that you are good enough, that your vision is good enough, and that you should feel empowered to ask for the resources that you need to bring your vision and your academy to life. I think in order
1: to really build the uh, visual elements for community, you need to embrace the community, you need to bring the community in, you need to listen to the community, and you need to involve them in whatever you're making. Um, And so I think the more collaborative you can be uh, with those members of whatever community, it's it's valid across all industries, uh, bring them into the process and, and really involve them.
2: Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever you're watching from. My name is Matt Pierce, host of The Visual Lounge, where we talk about using images and video in the workplace today. We're going to be talking about using video in customer education. Now, that's not an unfamiliar topic, but it is one that is so important. And in particular, we're going to bring you the story of Gusto. Now, you might be saying, Gusto? What's Gusto? Who's Gusto? And we're going to introduce them in just a second. But they have a fantastic story about going from kind of zero to, we'll actually say, 85 because they made 85 videos for their customer education academy. And we're going to go through why they they did that, how they did that and more, I'm sure. So let's go ahead and introduce today's guest. Jacqueline is a small business and accounting community enthusiast. She spent more than 10 years developing scalable, compelling initiatives at leading SaaS companies, honing her ability to drive a dual bottom line. When she's not busy creating programs that educate, motivate, and break the mold, you can find her around the Bay Area with her husband and two beautiful girls. And Elliot has spent the last decade as creative for hire with this agency, Free Motion. He has interviewed thousands of executives and directed hundreds of video campaigns for major companies across the nation. As a self possessed narrative archaeologist, he has taught Stanford PhD candidates, corporate professionals, and high school students alike on the importance of narrative structure and how to find their stories. At a San Francisco-based creative studio, Jettison, he strives to make professional video production tools and support accessible to mixed media artists so they can share stories in their own creative voices. And with that all said, please help me welcome Jacqueline and Elliot to the Visual Lounge. Hi, guys. Hello.
0: Thanks thank for you. having me.
2: Oh, thank you so much for being here. And to, uh, I mean, incredible bios, incredible just to have you here. Uh, I'm so excited to dig into this story because I, I know there's things I'm going to learn. As someone who has built an academy with with a lot of video, uh, I know I can be better and I'm going to learn from you. So let's let's start at the very, very beginning here. Uh, Jacqueline, first of all, I used the name Gusto, and I'm guessing that's not quite yet a household name. So who, what is Gusto?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking, Matt. So Gusto is a SaaS company that provides payroll benefits in HR support services and technology to small businesses, as well as the accountants who serve them. So we serve hundreds of thousands of small businesses and tens of thousands of accounts across the nation, with this. A uh, very painful back end office task that we can take off their plate, so that way they can focus on what they're most passionate about.
2: Yeah, love that, love that. So, okay, so you have got this the SaaS company that's helping these these professionals who are in these small businesses. Why is customer education and what role does it play with you and them? Like, how how does that help Gusto, or how does it help your customers?
0: Yeah. Alex, um, so the entry point with customer education at Gusto was through our partner channel. So at Gusto, our partners are accountant. And if you think about it, accountants are resellers of Gusto. It's a classic one-to-mini play. Our hope is that if we partner with an accountant, they will then go on to use Gusto with their full small book of business. So it really matters that they understand the platform, that they understand the potential to partner with Gusto. And that they can really speak to it as professional service providers above and beyond just telling their clients, you know, um, that it's some superficial offering. So we really use customer edu- education as a means to deepen our partnership with them and make sure that they have the skills, knowledge base, and confidence to adopt our product with their full book of business. Yeah, and I, and I love that. I just
2: love the power of customer education, what it can do for both sides, right? It's, it's such a wonderful thing. Now we're gonna we're getting to this we're leading up here you've got you've got the company you've got customer education I, I, before this project that we're gonna talk about uh, Jacqueline laid the landscape for us what kind of things were you doing because then we're gonna make that flip switch to kind of the big project right
0: yeah so I was hired four years ago as Gusto's first partner education manager. It was actually seen to be a somewhat risky hire at the time because all of our marketing messaging was about how easy to use the product was. And I imagine that my <laughs> fellow education professionals can relate to the pain that is people um, within a company telling you how easy the product is to use. Yet we're hearing from our customers that they really crave more training on it. Um, so long story short, I ended up creating a certification program called People Advisory Certification That was more around category creation. How do we help these resellers think differently about the revenue opportunity with payroll above and beyond just where to click in product? Um, That said, I did sandwich a lot of product training into this program, but it seemed to sort of satisfy this internal narrative of my executive leadership wanting a program that was a little bit more Or sorry, a little less product training, more business training, as well as our customers' appetite for the actual product training. And really what I wanted with that program was a win. I wanted to be able to prove the value of customer education and show that it could be stood up as a function within our marketing org. um, And that it could drive vertical value above and beyond just being a horizontal support function. And we accomplished that. People advisory certification was a hit. We've had thousands of accountants become certified and they started taking to social media to post their badges. Um, Customer anecdotes started bubbling up across different parts of the business. And all of a sudden, people within Gusto were talking about certification as this real driver of impact. So that really helped set the table for me to then say, okay, Gusto, we were able to prove value with this one program it's time for us to envision a bigger picture here. For us, that bigger picture was an academy.
2: I love it. Uh, yeah, so it's crazy, like the, the business drivers here, right? Like sometimes we don't think we need, our customers need education because we, we, are, we are also tools that are super easy. Snagit, for instance, is super easy. Who needs training on Snagit? But it's amazing to me the number of people who look at it and say like, oh, I didn't know I could do this, 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 and you're like, yeah. It's it's so yeah, I totally so I totally love that that story. So okay, so now we get to this point. You're you're like, "Okay, I want to build an academy and and at some point Elliot, we're going to bring you in here. Don't worry." Uh, I I <laughs> I I feel like okay, so you're at that point you've got some buy-in, you've had some you've had your win. What was the driver like? Why not maybe just redo uh, certification. Why not like do you just expand from there? You could have there's there's a lot of decisions you could have made to say like oh we could just do this, but you said let's go in on an academy. So what may, what was different about that? I guess in terms of what you wanted to build that was going to have maybe greater or different impact than what you were already doing or seeing.
0: Yeah. So one of the biggest wins we had with people advisory certification was partnering with data science to prove that our certified firms we're actually 40% more productive than our uncertified firms. Wow. So having that, that was a big sort of drop the mic moment, if you will, within the marketing org. So that was the foundation or platform that I had to stand on to say, hey, if this is true, imagine what could be possible if we could expand both the breadth and depth of education within our partner base. But in order to do that, we need to make sure that we get the right content to the right people at the right time. Having a singular program isn't right for everybody. Uh, different people need different things at different points of the customer. For folks just starting out with that, they likely do need that product training. They need that nitty-gritty understanding of where to click, how to realize time to value, how to be productive. Whereas if they're a little bit deeper and more sophisticated, then we can up-level the narrative and teach them how to actually grow their firm, grow their business, grow their revenue all through partnering with Gusto. But we need an academy to house all of this rich content that we could produce.
2: Yeah. Oh man, this is, this is so good. I love that you bring in data science into the You got the, the backing to say like, yeah, this is actually making a difference. And, uh, and obviously it does make sense, right? You. If you put it in seven different places, it's hard for people to find. So an academy creates a a central kind of location. So this is a point where the podcast, I think I want to get nerdy with you because as I I think a lot of our listeners are also like, okay, Matt, cool. That's why you need an academy. We know, you know, especially our customer education folks, everyone's, you know, five years ago, no one had an academy. Now it's like, I think almost everyone has some sort of an academy. They're seeing the value. So let's walk through. Okay. You've got the idea you've got the 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 data that says this is gonna make a bit have a business impact. This is where you start making some decisions about like what does that content look like? And and how do you go about doing that in your organization? Like obviously you could you could have made interactive e learning courses, which maybe you did some you could obviously make videos, it could be podcasts, it could be images, it could be text. I mean there's a lot of options of what goes into that content. And so Walk us through that process. How did you make the decision? Because let's see the status. I got uh, 12 hours of e-learning, 85 videos, which, I mean, just a small amount, guys. Like, did you think... Sm- yeah. Could you think any smaller? I'm No, I'm kidding. That's a huge amount, right? Like, that's a commitment uh, by the organization that's going to tie up resources, funding, uh, opportunity, other opportunity costs. So how did you get to that decision?
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so if I think about this from a linear standpoint what the team did was first create the architecture for the academy so for us the backbone of our academy are learning tracks which are designed for learner personas we say hey if you're this person you should go down this track to learn these things whereas if you're this other person go down this track almost like a shoot and ladders game so that was the architecture and then we said okay so now how do we fill up our architecture what content is right for what person what do we what do they need to learn and what's the best way to teach them? Mind you, over the past four years, I think we've made, I've made many a mistake on figuring out how to educate people and where the effort to impact ratio is. I have thought that I've had many good ideas, only to turn out that it's its more work than what it is actually So anyhow, <laughs> uh, we got to this place of realizing, okay, For our early users, they need that product training, like I said. Elliot and I have learned many times over that creating product training videos is very high lift, um, yet low impact. So actually doing hands-on e-learning, that's a more kinesthetic, tactical hands-on experience, we feel uh, makes for stickier learning. Uh Rather than just having them more passively watch these videos, which also from an administrative standpoint are very hard to maintain. we said, okay, we'll go down the e-learning route for that. Um, Whereas for a more sophisticated training where we're teaching more theoretical, conceptual content, we knew that we wanted to have talent or a talking head convey those points to camera because it could just help create the more human connection make it feel a little bit warmer. Um, and so that's what we did. We created a talent series. Um, and then the last series that we did, which is really a through line, and I suppose a hallmark of the work that Elliot and I have done, are testimonials. So Elliot, let me pass it over to you to talk about the power of testimonials and how we've layered that on across all of these different Bernie tracks.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what's important to note is even in our first people advisory certification we realized the importance of asking our clients, our customers, and in this case, accountants, their experiences to really support the, the learning lessons that we had throughout. And so we discovered that while making this first uh, attempt during the pandemic, using Zoom calls and interviewing them and putting stitching those together with a through-line narrative to really bolster the learning. And so we've taken this through every step uh, of the different certifications we've done and then building the academy we knew we wanted to do the same thing across these different learning tracks and as Jacqueline mentioned there were three core learning tracks and each one would have these hours of learning that we then wanted to support with different accountant partners and so we flew in uh, close to 20 accounting partners to interview while we were tangentially shooting our test art our, our talent narratives and so you would really have that support. Uh, from actual users and see the real impact, whether it be visually through their facial expressions, um, even partnering them together in the same room, they could bounce ideas off of each other and really see the impact of all these learning lessons. So whether it was payroll, which was more of a user experience, like we said, and didn't want to make clickety-click videos, uh, all the way up to what we had our people advisory certification, which are more human type, um, slightly more abstract concepts. That are then visualized and humanized by the talent
2: uh, the testimonial talent that we brought in well i uh, first of all, I'm just blown away by that it's uh, what an incredible uh production that and well, how much fun that must have been i mean I, I i i get nerdy about some of these things, so I'm sure we could we could talk for a long time about that, but like what a, i I love the concept that you're you're like, okay, this is education, this is like you gotta do something education, but then you leveraging the video and and Jacqueline, you mentioned that human connection right like there's something about seeing a face, an expression, of hearing—not not only hearing but seeing the emotion of someone as they explain something or they they share their feelings about something. So, let me ask this because I I feel like I mean that's a huge commitment. Twenty people, fly them into a studio. I mean it's a way to do it, right? I think there's really good value in having that controlled environment compared to look. We all love Zoom, we all love remote stuff, but if I could fly you guys every guest into a studio for this show. I would. I, I don't have that kind of money though. So, uh, you know, so I guess what was the conversation about, around that to make that like that investment to do that? Was it because you'd already seen the value in these other places or were there, was there something else that you were hoping to, to see that or prove out that, you know, was kind of on the table and either one of you can take a crack at that, do you think?
0: I could tackle it from the business point of view and then I'll pass it over to Elliot for the creative. So Matt, what we do or what I've tried to do with all of these education programs is tell the story within marketing and how we can maximize the shelf life of these different assets. So particularly for the testimonial videos to get the funding for that, um, it'll be the exact same thing. So of course, the the core purpose of finding these partners in was somewhat selfishly to produce this content for Gusto Academy. But we also identified in partnership with growth marketing and comms and PR how we could activate these assets across different parts of the funnel and customer journey and then fold in additional questions to the question set that Elliot was leading our subjects through. So that also meant more video production work for Elliot. But I think what my advice would be for other professionals in the space is to just be that good cross-functional partner gather requirements from your peers, even if they don't even know they have those requirements, paint the picture of what's possible because the more you can say the content you're producing will be good for other folks across marketing, the more you can raise funding to do what you actually want to do. Be-
2: before we go to the creative side of this, uh, Jeff, this is the follow-up test. So and uh, mostly a clarification for make sure I'm clear. So you were bringing people in because you had a purpose, but you said to marketing, hey, growth marketing, would you, how would you like to have some testimonial videos that you can put exactly. on the website or in social media or wherever so you're kind of getting that multipurpose? And, and for the, the person coming in, one recording, multiple pieces, right? Elliot, it's is that right. how you did it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're talking about, again, having the opportunity to have 20 of your customers, right? And on, and on top of that, I mean, really diehard customers coming in and each one sitting in this chair for about an hour. And so you say, okay, now we have 20 hours of content. Well, we ended up using probably about two to three minutes of each in our video assets. And so there's all of this extra media that's left on the editing room floor. And so how can we repurpose that? How can we also have just new material that hasn't been seen within our academy? Um, And so adding an extra question here or there and really diving into some of the pain points that won't make it into our videos uh, but could be repurposed later on. And we have uh, for many other Gusto assets used what we were able to uh, acquire during those two weeks of shooting.
2: Well, so I, so I, I love this. I'm, let's shift gears a little bit here. I want to talk about structure of, of uh, both kind of content and video, right? Because as you just said, you've got two or three minutes out of an hour long interview, obviously purposely the hour, you know, I'm guessing uh, Purposely, some of it wasn't going to ever make it to your video, right? Because you're asking these other department questions. But when you're looking at these, these let's take one of these kind of conceptual videos, something that's that you know it's not the clickety click. It's I think I think is that how you said it. Uh, uh,
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not a clickety click. I love it. I I think it's, I'm going to start saying that all the time. Um, what were you looking for in terms of a when you start breaking down the instruction? And, and I I realize uh, that both of you, maybe you're not the instructional designer, not thinking necessarily at that level, but help, help our audience understand, like, cause this is a big project. You've got uh 85 of these videos you're going to create. Now, obviously some of them are probably more human centered than others, but like, what were you looking for in terms of structure? Is it like, in like, is it a traditional like narrative that you're going for? Is it more like, uh like really trying just to get a few questions, you know, like. We might do here on the podcast, I might pull out the best clip. Somebody said something that I might be piecing together four or five clips of people. W- what was the structure of this duck?
0: Okay, I'll tell you what my requirements were that I've passed along so to be a designer who then did the brilliant work of bringing the mirror into the Okay, so the first requirement for our talent videos are that they're evergreen. Because we don't have the budget to do this shoot many times over once a year. So the most important thing is that these videos have a shelf life of three to five years. I know that sounds wild, but that's the requirement that it passed so long. So that necessitated that we focus more on process or flow or a concept rather than again, where to click or specifically how to do something. So then we said, okay, if that's the case, we want these talent videos to almost be like the hero piece of media that are the hook, that win hearts and minds of our customers and bring them deeper into the e-learning. Something that I'm well aware of from a business perspective is the abandon rate of e-learning. It's really hard to get people all the way through your learning funnel. So we found that using these talent videos really tee up that this is a differentiated value-added experience and that it signals a level of respect and care to our customers. We care about their time. Um, In fact, we care so much that we produce produce these high quality assets. Um, So even above and beyond the tactical things that they're teaching, I think there's a lot of value in what they're signaling to our learners. So I I suppose to zoom out, we use these talent videos as a means to hook people into the e-learning, to win their hearts and minds at the beginning of a given module or program, and to tee up an evergreen concept or process that we then double click into in the subsequent content modules or blocks. Perfect. So so Elliot,
2: you're shooting these videos, probably knowing that requirement that, hey, we've got to make these evergreen. Uh, tell us a little bit about your process going through. Obviously, we don't need to get into all the setups and stuff like us. although I would love to talk to you about that sometime. Uh, like, when you're shooting these videos, what what are some of the things you're keeping in mind to meet Jacqueline's requirements?
1: It was mostly the emotion. I think, you know, we we did some visuals to really tie it together to the learning tracks. We changed the set colors. So there is a bunch of technical elements that we chose, but it was also making sure that we had high emotion, high engagement. We used props to convey messages and metaphors. And that really helped with the retention of the subject matter, tying it back to the e learning that you would see later, iconography that would tie back into coursework that you would see later on, and making those short, sweet, so that we really hooked people in to want more. I mean, we say, get in late, get out early. By the end of the video, you wanted to have stayed a little longer with our talent subject. So uh, obviously, the casting of those uh, uh, people were really important. So we chose. People we are familiar with, who who are exceptional presenters. Jacqueline was in there to give it the familiar face, as we've seen along ever since the original uh, People Advisory certification we did on Zoom. Now she's on a set. Now she's got the uh, you know the production value that we we were striving for at the really inception phase. And so there is that narrative arc as well, seeing really how much we've committed. Uh, so the production value needed to be at a certain height, so that this wasn't something that we were. Quote unquote, uh, you know, going halfway on. This was really something that we were investing in and showing that to the people that were taking the e learning. I thought that was very important as well. So, again, emotion was huge, whether it came to the talent or the testimonials. Like I said, we used two minutes, but finding a narrative that could be conveyed in two minutes, really diluting what we were trying to convey into, like Jacqueline said, something evergreen. So we weren't focusing on numbers altogether. Uh, accountants tend to focus on numbers. This was the this was the contrary. This was the personal benefit that they felt by learning this material, by having a better understanding of this material, what they were able to do uh, for their clients. So it was really a a, a people story uh, focused on emotion.
2: Okay, I'm glad you brought up the accounts because I got a question, uh, and I think this, I get I get asked this question. I'm curious what your your the two of your answers are. Sometimes. We hear uh, folks who are working with subject matter experts. Those are your clients that you're, your customers that you're bringing in, right? And sometimes, as well intended and as excited as they are, it is hard to get them to be good on camera. It is not natural for them to be on camera, even if they're great presenters. It sometimes it is a strange kind of performance of like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, which you know, and so there's obviously the vetting becomes probably really important. But what else? Uh, what did, Advice would you give to someone who's like, oh yeah, I've got to work with subject matter experts or customers. I want to bring out the emotion. I want to bring out the excitement, but I also want them to not get caught up on the thing that they know so deeply, like the numbers, right? Because that because it's like, well, no, let's and I, I don't know any accounting, so no, let's take R over N, and you know, like that's like, oh gosh, probably going to lose a lot of people if that's what they're saying. So how do you how do you do that well? What what are the secrets here that have worked for for Gusto and for the Academy?
0: So we had different requirements for the two different creative series that we produced. For the talent series, a little bit um, higher caliber, more specific, more seasoned presenters. So I actually won't focus on that. I'll focus on the testimonial subjects that we brought in. We really treated this as a moment to build community with the testimonial subjects that we brought in. Because we knew that if we could build community amongst those 20 people, um, help them feel comfortable and confident on set, that that would ultimately shine through the e-learning to help us then create community in the broader sense amongst our partner base. Because our hypothesis is that e-learning can be quite lonely. So helping learners do the solitary thing, that is consume an e-learning course in community and see contextual storytelling would ultimately make the learning stickier. So in order to get us to that golden place of creating community, both within and outside of the academy, we said, OK, how do we help these 20 accounts feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, that they're lending their voice to help uplift the profession that they are passionate about and have dedicated their careers to? So really early days was, again, understanding the requirements and recruiting uh-huh. the right. But then and, and that'll be different for everyone. But then once we've recruited those people, taking a very thoughtful approach and doing a lot of storytelling with them, both individually and as the small group, to help them feel like this was a moment that mattered, that this was a very special opportunity for all of us who were involved. And then that feeling, that sort of culture that we were trying to build also carried through to how we treated each other on set. So when one person was interviewing, you had all of the other subjects there cheering them along, making them feel better, even though they were extremely outside of their comfort zone um, and doing something that felt quite unnatural to them. It felt quite celebratory. And I think we all knew how special this thing was that we were contributing to. So,
2: okay, so you brought everyone's watch. So the pressure is really on. Right. So it's either good thing or bad thing. But everyone's watching. You interview, and obviously it sounds like you did a great job at cheering. what like, Elliot, how do you? And in, I'm I'm guessing you're running the running camera, right? And Jacqueline, were you asking questions? Is that how kind of it went? Or uh, Elliot,
0: Elliot's team was running camera, okay. and Elliot was uh, doing his thing, and he's a phenomenal test. I don't even know how to put it, a testimonial interview. You're, inter- you're <laughs> the
2: interviewer, okay? So Elliot, uh, you're thinking about how's your team controlling that? Because I I have been in studios, small studios. Uh, with a lot of people, and it just you got there's a lot you got to account for, right? You got noise, you got you know yeah. all the things that are happening, and a little bit of chaos it sure. brings energy, but it can also cause kind of other video challenges.
1: You're absolutely right, but I think the 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 up upsell, I mean, the up uh, um, opportunity to have everybody there, like Jacqueline said, created that energy, that idea of community. And almost like we were bringing them into the production. And so you had all these accountants that were coming here, you know, flying from all over the country to this studio in San Francisco. There was a makeup artist. I mean, they were really, quote unquote, out of their element. But my team, we were a team of 12 for that shoot. Gusto brought, I think, about six or seven of their own. And so then you had at any given time about 10 testimonial subjects because we did it in two, uh, in two weeks in studio, right? And we didn't ask them to come in for their individual time slots. We wanted them there for the full day. And so they had, obviously there was you know their catering, there was everything they could do and mingle and work off when we were not shooting. And we did that with simple tricks, right? We play music in the studio when we're clearly not shooting so everybody can talk and that's an opportunity for people to mingle. Accountants were coming up and asking the film crew. My film crew, I think, is just an incredibly hospitable uh, group. And so we're you know, the sound person was telling one of the accountants, a, a, you know, a tax accountant, how he rolls sound. And they were asking each other's questions. And then by the time I had to shoot, I had to ask the sound guy to stop asking tax <laughs> the tax accountant. And so it really was a blend of these two different worlds, but everybody was having a great time. And yes, of course, there's some people that are a little more nervous, you know, on camera. And we work with the Matt, I'm, I know you're a seasoned interviewer. But you know the first 10 15 minutes we knew it was stuff that we weren't even going to use. Yep. Just that we gave them a chance to warm up to being on camera and having all these people around. And sometimes it was very clear that you know we had a few that would just turn on right away and everything was perfect and others needed a little more privacy. But the goal was not to give, I guess, privacy because you still have 12 people around. We had three cameras rolling, sound, yeah. you know, up everything. We were never going to be able to not have anybody watching. So the goal was to get everybody to the comfort level of forgetting that they're, you know, being interviewed on camera and that they're actually just talking about their life experiences. I often, and, and very clearly in my testimonials, ask that nobody rehearse anything. Nobody write down anything. Sure, read the questions. But every answer you have is already in here. Everything that you that we're asking you about, um, you should already know. And if you don't have the answer, then we shouldn't be asking the question.
2: Yeah. Well, I am. I'm blown away. I love this idea, right? Like, and I think uh, you know a lot of the people that probably are watching the show are not uh, probably have access. They don't have access to a team like you, Elliot. Although we'd all love to have access to a team like yours. Uh, <laughs> yeah you know, let's let's do it uh you know i i but i'm guessing but the the thing i love about it is it is recreatable right like others could do like you could still get the energy it's now you got to plan for it there's lots that goes into it that's why you're a professional that's why people hire you to do this but i i love that idea of bringing community together uh bringing your the those industry folks together and making it not just oh we're gonna shoot a video but making it, it an event right uh and Jacqueline, i i I guess I'm just, my own kind of selfish curiosity, did did that have an impact on the com- that community like you thought it would?
0: Oh, it, man, it really did. Um, in a way that, to me, is exactly where I'm in this field and why I'm so passionate about what I do. The same group of people who are a part of the Making of Gusto Academy who came in for the storytelling were also supporting us during the launch. So selfishly, we knew that these people would also go on to be influencers for us, for our academy, and tell it the value of this thing they were a part of creating when it came launch time. So we enabled them with social media kits and talk tracks. We created testimonial assets for each of them as individuals that they could then put out to claim that they were a part of Gusto Academy, which they very much were. Uh, so really, they saw the academy through from inception to production, all the way through to launch. And it does not end there because now that the Academy has been in market for six months, I continue to be in conversation with them. And now we're developing case studies about how the training within Gusto Academy has helped them grow their teams, their careers, and their firms. I I love that. That just keeps giving, right? Yeah, absolutely. I I also want to make a point that Yes, it may feel like for folks who are just starting out in customer education, like, oh, my gosh, I don't have the budget to do what these people are talking about and fly in a bunch of folks to a studio. We didn't start this way. We started on Zoom when we did our first people advisory certification. But to your point, Matt, the process and the elements and the ingredients are all the same on budget or no budget. And I would just say, well, yes, to Elliot's point, we don't want our testimonial subjects to prep we ourselves had prepped for hours and weeks and months leading up to the shoot. So we knew exactly what questions were in our question set. We knew what sort of answers we wanted to hear where we were striking gold and how these different pieces would all fit together. So whether you have budget or don't, I would say that in general, the process is the same.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for that that, The addition. I, I love that, that, you know, And there's a lot to say about the prep, right? The questions, the making sure, because it is also, I found as an interviewer, I ask a lot of questions, but sometimes I ask a question and I don't get the answer I expect, right? Like, it's like, oh, and then I ask it again and to another person, it's like, if I don't like, you got to be able to learn from those opportunities to to reshape. So where I want to go look at kind of, uh, as we're getting close to wrapping up here with the kind of bulk of our conversation You mentioned the evergreenness, and I love that looking at in three to five years is a long time, especially in a SaaS model, even when it's content that probably doesn't change all that much, I'm guessing accounting is fairly stable, although you never know, it can change. So because this was such a big cost uh, to to have everybody come in, as you look at addition, additional kind of content programs, things that you need, and just updates, how, how I guess, what are the decisions that go into whether you do change something or make, you know, update it? Because obviously, like we have software changes all the time and that, then you have to decide whether it gets changed or not. We have prog- like the world of video doesn't change all that often, but sometimes it does. So do you have a criteria or a threshold that you apply to know when something should be updated or changed?
0: For the talent and testimonial videos, I'll probably revisit that decision in three years and I just won't think about it until then and pray that nothing in the accounting world changes. For the schoolhouse videos, like I said, we Ellie and I have produced numerous what we call tools videos, which are the product screenshot videos and just found that there's so much work to produce and maintain that we've really narrowed down our list to say five to 10 Product videos that we feel are worth the effort, and then um, otherwise we take high resolution screenshots and put them into a clickable e learning option. So it's I think understanding those requirements during your build phase helps when you have to go then maintain all of these assets that produced, which is ultimately the bulk of the job. In production is a moment in time, whereas maintenance is is really the long game. So it might
2: astound you then to think that uh, our customer education team is updating tutorials at least every year and many, many, many of the screen tutorials. We should talk, Elliot. I can can hook you up with some tools. (laughs) Well, you guys have, this has been amazing. And and just, I I love uh, the conversation. I love what you're doing. Um, Jack, why don't we talk about this just real quickly before we go into our speedrun questions. This is not only an academy, there's something else that's really cool that's happening with the making of the Academy. Why don't you tell us about that?
0: Yeah. You know, that being a part of this experience to me has been such a professional and personal learning journey where I've made friendships and learnings and have gotten to produce this Academy that is more than I ever dreamt I was capable of doing. So it's really important to me that I'm able to share the story with the broader community to inspire others to be able to do the same and to believe in in themselves in the same way. So, we've partnered with our friends at Intellum to produce a docu series about the making of Gusto Academy, which will be out this March and tells the story. It's six parts, all the way from ideation through to launch and then to measuring the impact about how we did what we did.
2: That is super
1: cool. Elliot, and are, did you
0: get to help make that?
1: I did. Yeah. Well, because we were involved in, in every step, uh, we were able to produce this, uh, this six part series. And it was amazing how much of the content actually came from my cell phone because these were, you know, we weren't expecting to make the behind the scenes. And so when going back, I said, oh, I think I have a picture or a video of us working on the whiteboard. And so we were able to uh, really put in these personal moments uh, throughout uh, our work with Jacqueline, uh, Will Lopez, who also helped, and and really have these kind of human elements uh, looking back throughout this six-part series, which is inherently Highly technical as well. If you watch, you'll get really a solid information of each step and the
2: thought that we put in uh, through the process. Uh, I love that. I love that we, you've been able to capture it not only for for Gusto and their their needs, but then we've got this greater story that's being told. That will we're we'll really enrich everyone, right? That's what I. That's why I love talking to folks. That's why I love doing the shows because I get the benefit, and everyone will get the benefit from such great work. So, all right, Are you guys lo- ready for a little bit more fun? Let's do it. All right. Let's go on to our speed run questions. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So our speed run questions for those who may have not listened to the show or watched the show. This is where we are going to an- ask quick questions, but we do it a special way. We actually have a dice cam set up. So I've got uh, two die here. They're both 12 sided die and I'm going to roll them. Uh, Jacqueline will have you be green. Elliot will have you be the black die. and I'm going to roll and we're going to see what what questions I get to ask you. Jacqueline, your question is going to be, what is one resource you think everyone should know about? And that's, that's open-ended resource. It doesn't have to be what we just talked about or anything. Elliot, the question for you, and this will be interesting because you're a video producer, you work in the studio, but what's next for you? So Jacqueline, what's a resource you think everyone should know about? Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> 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 so, wait, wait, are we assuming they don't know about coffee? <laughs> what? Why, why coffee? Why was that your answer? <laughs>
0: when I think about the six months that we were producing Gusto Academy and the absurd amount of coffee that I drink, I would say that that was my go-to resource at any time of the day. Whether it was just the comfort of the aroma of the coffee or like getting to get up from my desk to go make a cup of coffee, uh, but I suppose the deeper part of that answer, Matt, would be that no matter who you are, or what you're doing, just be sure to invest in your own self-care, whatever that looks like for you. So for me, that happened to be coffee, my preferred beverage. But just making sure that you make time for yourself, for your family and friends, no matter what you're doing, I think is the key to the stamina that we all need to have to be a part of this industry.
2: Yeah, I I, I love it. It's a Good answer. Good answer. So Elliot, what about you? What's what's next for Elliot?
1: Well, I guess besides the launch of this six-part series that has been yet another uh, big project going back at the six months that we had done uh, with uh, the Gusto Academy, uh, what's next for me is really uh, focusing on taking a lot of the learning lessons that we did uh, for the Academy is building the community of uh, my creative studio here in San Francisco named Jettison. And uh, Jettison is really... Uh, built to empower local artists here in San Francisco Bay Area and give them the tools they need to be able to produce really cool video, mostly video uh, uh, projects. And so we have a few in the pipeline, uh, a few ballet dancers coming in and asking to use the resources of the studio. Um, and so really leveraging that and then creating a community that is so needed again um, in in San Francisco that has been hurt pretty, pretty hard by the pandemic when it comes to uh, arts. Um,
2: and so that's what's next. Awesome! I, I love that. I love that you're opening the doors to those creatives to come in and and uh, and you know learn a little bit about a different kind of medium and and capture what probably what they're doing on that medium. So, all right, let's go with our next questions. This time it is a six and a one. So, Elliot, we're going to start with you. Yeah. If you could be the hero in any story, who would you choose and why? Oof. And, Jacqueline, your question is going to be, where do you turn for inspiration? So, Elliot. If you could be a hero in any story, who would you be and why?
1: I think Jacqueline knows that I'm probably going to say Indiana Jones. <laughs> I, I, I see myself, the hat. I, I call myself a narrative archaeologist. I think you referenced it earlier. And that's the idea that there's stories everywhere. You just got to go find them and dig them out. And so I, I guess I would have to say, you know, an Indiana Jones uh, video maker would be my, my go-to
2: and, and you've got a hat hanging in the background. If we go to you, yeah. you can see the hat and the bag. It there's looks perfect. Over
1: there, too. And there's everything you need.
2: <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I love it.
0: All right, Jacqueline, where do you turn for inspiration? Okay, this is a very broad strokes answer, but I would say in general, I turn to pop culture for inspiration because it's so fascinating to me to see how, whether, I don't know, like Wednesday Adams right now is all the rage. My my older daughter's in first grade, and all of these little first graders are running around wanting to be Wednesday Adams. It's so fascinating. So it's like, how do you win the hearts and minds of people so much so that they're sort of evangelizing for whatever it is that you do? I'm also really inspired by production houses so like Pixar, for example. Or Lin Manuel Miranda, who's a producer that just turn out hit after hit after hit, and have some sort of magical formula that they've struck on, so no matter what project or medium or program they're pushing forward, you know that it's quality, and that's what I aspire to to be and to do.
2: I I love that, and uh, great, both great answers. Thank you so much. Okay, as we wrap up things here, let's uh, let's give a shout out. Where where can people connect with you? Find more information if they want to. To learn more, Jacqueline, we'll start with you first.
0: Yeah. So you can always find me on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn. I do check my messages and I love connecting with community members. As Matt foreshadowed, we do have this project that's about to drop with the tell called The Making of Gusto Academy. Please do tune in. It is a personal, professional, vulnerable story about how we did what we did. Um, And then if you want to check out the Academy itself, go ahead and head to academy.gusto.com.
2: Awesome. Thank you for that. And
1: Elliot, how about you? Where can people connect with you? Fantastic. Yeah, same thing. I'm on LinkedIn as well as uh, 3motioncreative.com, which is really focused on obviously uh, more of the clients like Gusto, uh, creating testimonial series and talent series, and then uh, jettisoncreative.com for uh, artists in the Bay Area looking to come by our physical space and studio. Uh, We do creative happy hours. It's a good time. So
2: please join our community. That's Great. So everybody go, go connect, go check those things out. Now we're going to end the way we, we end every show. We like to kind of wrap things up with our guests by giving them a chance to say their final take. So, Elliot, we'll start with you. Elliot, what is your final take after today's show? I think in order to really build
1: the uh, visual elements for community, you need to embrace the community. You need to bring the community in. You need to listen to the community and you need to involve them in whatever you're making. Um, and so I think the more collaborative you can be uh, with those members of whatever community, it's, it's valid across all industries, uh, bring them into the process and, and really involve them. Fantastic.
2: How about you, Jacqueline? What's your final take?
0: I would say to my fellow customer educators watching this that you are good enough that your vision is good enough and that you should feel empowered to ask for the resources that you need to bring your vision and your academy to life.
2: Fantastic. Well, thank you both for joining me here in the visual lounge.
0: Thank you for having us, Matt. This was so fun.
2: This this was a blast. So everybody go check out Gusto Academy, go check out, uh, the the work that's coming out go go just go see these things because as Jack would said you can do we can do this as a community as a bigger kind of broader industry if you're interested in making your own academy you're interested in getting into video and using video to communicate with your customers to help your customers to be better this is a real thing that you can do and you can start today uh you know i love that there the documentary elliot said that he's using the cell a lot of it's from a cell phone while of course better cameras are good lighting is good good mic audio is essential but you can do these things. So we just encourage you to go and learn the skills that it's going to take to help you to get better every single day. Because as we say at the end of every show, we hope you take a little time to level up. And don't, and don't forget to like and subscribe. We love that stuff too. So we'll see you next time, everybody.